Well, it is good to gather again, even if it be in our own homes. We pray that the Lord would bless us in our time of worship, in the reading of his word and the singing of his praises. So let us begin by reading a few verses from Psalm 95. Psalm 95, I'll read from verse 3 down to verse mark 6 in the Scottish Psalter. For God, a great God and great King, above all gods he is. Depths of the earth are in his hand, the strength of hills is his. To him the spacious sea belongs, for he the same did make. The dry land also from his hands its form at first did take. O come and let us worship him, let us bow down with all, and on our knees before the Lord, our Maker, let us fall. So let us come to pray together as we commence our worship. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we do come before you as we can, seeking that you would be watching over us, that you would be guiding our minds, guiding our thoughts, and protecting us from the threats of the evil one, that we would say in our hearts that it is good that we have received the word of the Lord, that your word would speak to us today, that we would know your voice to our hearts, speaking as it is active amongst us. Your Holy Spirit would be felt that he would be working amongst the people of our town, that he would be working amongst our nation, that you will not leave us, that the Spirit would be convicting people even this night as the gospel message goes out. We pray for all those who preach your word, who have preached your word today. Pray that it would have an influence on, us, on the hearers of it, that your word will not return unto you void as your word tells us in scripture. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you do for us. And we are so fragile. We are as little children. We need to be taught. And we need to be guided. And so we look to you even this night for that guidance. We look to you for that hand to grab hold of that voice to hear calling out our name, that instruct, instruction that will be all the better for us if we obey it. We just pray for our nation at this time. We pray for the leaders of it. We pray for Nicola and Boris that they would know your wisdom guiding them 
but that they would acknowledge that they need it, that they would acknowledge that they do not know what to do or what is best to do, they would seek guidance from the one above, the one who knows all things, the one who created the very world we live in and has revealed himself to us through that glorious creation, the beauty of it sometimes leaves us in awe as we visit different places, as we see different sights, and you can look at them and we can wonder in our hearts how such things can be created out of nothing as so many people are ready to believe. That even in the growing of the smallest of flowers to the growing of the greatest of oaks, it is wondrous and amazing the breath of life that you put into each of us. Pray that we would value it. Pray that we would know it to be precious as you have gifted it to us and that we would acknowledge that it is from your gracious hand. So we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your word that it would be blessed to us as we study it, as we lay hold of it, and that we would treasure it beyond any other treasure that we would know, and that we would use it as our guide in our lives to keep us on the right path, a path that is told to us that is so narrow, that we would keep looking ahead, keep us from distractions we pray in our lives keep us from temptations we pray the Lord we just ask that you would be with us guiding our minds in this time forgive us our sins we pray for we know that they are great and many but we are washed clean through your precious son who died on the cross for us the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we ask all these things. Amen. Now, if I could say a word to the younger ones, uh, maybe the ones that are not so young, it's applicable as well. Have here a, a wee boat. This is the only boat I could find in the house. So, this is one of the boats for the bath, believe it or not. Now, oh. There it goes. Now imagine this is a Loch Seaforth, a ferry. Now at the front here, you'll notice on the ferry it says its name. It'll have Loch Seaforth just on the very front there. And also it has it on the back. It has Loch Seaforth on the back there as well. But under it, it has written Glasgow. Now I thought that when a boat had its name at the back, uh, followed with a place underneath it. I thought that's where it was built, but it's not. That place is called the home port. I think basically what it means is where it's been registered. So the Loch Seaforth, you see it on the back of the boat, Loch Seaforth, Glasgow. That means it's 
home port or registration port is Glasgow. And you'll see it on all big boats, you'll see it might be on the very, very back as well. The name and then the home port. Now I want you to imagine. Imagine that you have to leave the island. Everyone on the island has to leave. Right? For whatever reason, we have to leave the island. And everyone has to go down to the pier and get on to a boat. There's two big boats on either side of the pier waiting there to take everyone off the island. And you go down and you see everyone there and you see these two big boats and you look, one of them, you see it's, it's like a big old sailing boat, a big old wooden boat with sails and you think, wow, look at that, that's a beautiful looking boat. You know, it looks so old and, you know, well made and well looked after. That's a beautiful boat. And then on the other side, you see this massive cruise ship. It's brand new, all white, all glass. And you think, wow, look at that boat. That's really impressive. That looks really good. And you have to get on one of them. I think, well, that's, that's obvious. I think I'll go on the, the big shiny cruise boat. That looks like it'll be way better. And you have a wee look around and you have a wee look around just to see. And uh, you see the front of the big cruise boat and it says Salvation on the front of it. This boat's called Salvation. Yeah, carry on. I go over and look at the, the old wooden boat. I say, oh, this one's called Salvation too. That's funny, both boats are called Salvation. I don't know, you go back over to the big cruise boat and people are telling you how great it is. There's swimming pools on it, there's shops on it, there's restaurants on it. Anything you want to do is on it. Whatever you want, you can do on this boat, pretty much. It's got all the latest technology, it's got big diesel engines, generators, radars, it's got everything on it. There you go, well, this looks like it's an easy choice to make. I think I'll be going on the big cruise boat. And people are shouting to you from the boat, oh, come on, it's great, this boat has everything. Come on to this boat. Don't go on that old boat across the other side. You'd be silly to go on that old boat across to the, on the other side. And you think, well, well, let me just have a wee look around and just to see these two boats. You walk past the front of them and you keep going down the sides. And you get to the back of the big cruise boat and you turn around and you see at the back, it says its name again, Salvation. But underneath, it's written, Without Christ. You think, well, oh, without Christ. I can't see what the other one says. And you go to the old, this old beautiful wooden boat and you see the back of that one, Salvation. And underneath is written, With Christ. And you go, wow, well, that makes all the difference. 
because salvation is only through Christ, surely. And you think, well, this big boat, it's called salvation, but its home port is without Christ. It's registered without Christ. I think, well, that's a lie. And people are saying how great it is. And it'll take me to wherever I want to go and I can do on it whatever I want to do. But I won't be saved if I don't have Christ. That's a lie. And you go over and talk to the crew on the wooden boat. And they say, what's this boat like? And they say, well, this boat has stood the test of time. This is an old, old boat, but it's been well looked after. This is a beautiful, handmade boat. There's no other boat like this. This boat has been around the world. This boat has made every destination it has set out to make. There's far fewer people on it, but they all seem so happy. And you think, well, there's a no-brainer. I've got to go on the boat that's registered with Christ. Because at the end of the day, I want to be with Christ. And you jump onto this boat. The boat of salvation. That is as registered with Christ. Because that's the home port. To be with Christ. That's what heaven is for the believer. The believer is on the boat that is registered with Christ. It's called salvation and it's not a lie. It's the truth. The big boat that looked so good and you might think, yes, that's definitely the one I want to go on. That's the one that I will be happiest on. But you'll find that after you do go for a swim and you go to the shops and you go to the restaurants and you eat all the food, you're surely going to wonder, do you know, where am I going? Where am I going to end up? And there won't be any joy there because you'll be worried, where am I going? But the one who is on the old wooden boat that is registered with Christ, he will be full of joy being on that boat because he knows that being with Christ is, has proved to be surer than anything else in this world or anything else that you can be offered. And, and the crew of this boat will find their joy knowing that they will be with Christ in heaven. They've got a destination marked out and they're on the best vessel to get to their destination. It may not have been the most attractive one at first, but it is the one that gives them joy because they know where they are going and they are assured that they will get there. They have salvation with Christ. So I pray that maybe one day we will have to make a decision like that and get on one of these boats 
three, that you that if you are ever told that you can go to heaven without Christ, make sure you have a good look at it, because that's a lie. If someone says you can get to heaven and you don't need to believe in Christ, that's a lie, because you can only get to heaven with and through Christ and through what he has done for you. And if you believe in Christ, you're assured to get to heaven one day. So I pray that each of us listening will know and want to be on that boat that is registered with Christ. Let us say the Lord's Prayer together for a week to finish. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now if we could turn and read together in the word of God. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4, and we'll read at verse 35. Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, reading at verse 35. This is an account where Jesus calms the storm. So let us hear God's word. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. May the reading of God's word be blessed to us. A few thoughts on that passage for the remainder of the time that we have. This is maybe one of the most well-known passages uh, in the Gospels. And it is recorded in three out of the four Gospels, probably with good reason. For here is Christ commanding the seas and heavens as no one ever has, e no one has ever done. Now, prior to this incident, incident of this storm, we find that Jesus is teaching the crowds from the beginning of chapter 4. He's 
at the Sea of Galilee and he is teaching them from the, the, a boat. This occurs before they go across to meet with Legion. Legion, whom we know Jesus miraculously healed uh, from demons, casting them from Legion into the herd of swine or pigs that had gathered on the coastline, and then they ran straight down into the sea and drowned. So we are on our way to meet this man, Legion, crossing this great lake, the Sea of Galilee, at the most northerly point of the River Jordan. This would have been days never to be have been forgotten by the disciples. No dull moments going with Christ. Challenging, yes. Fearful, yes. Exciting. Constructive. And I just wonder, would our lives be full of these unforgettable days if we were to follow more closely the instructive voice of Christ as he speaks to us? Now, if we look at this passage, we can split it into the instruction given by Christ, the condition that they found themselves in, and the transformation mightily announced by Christ. So we have the instruction, the condition, and the transformation. So let us take each of these. And we'll begin with the instruction. So we read in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Jesus effectively says to them, we are to go on. We cannot stay here, for unbeknown to them, there was a meeting to take place on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They had to go across and meet with this man, Legion. No one else knew the plan, but it was to be fulfilled by divine appointment. The gospel seed was to be sown on the other side. Legion had a preparative purpose to fulfill on Christ's behalf. But there was a notable encounter on the way, this great windstorm. Jesus did not stay with the people. He had spent the day teaching them parables as we read off from the beginning of chapter 4. And now evening time has come and he has instructed to be taken to the other side. But Jesus needs rest, showing us an element of his humanity. Though he rests, he doesn't stop teaching. Though he sleeps, there is a great lesson to be learned along the way. His instruction would place the disciples in a desperate situation, so much so that they feared for their lives. But through it, would see the glory of God through his son's words. And life, it's not always plain sailing, as they say. And Christians are equally not free from great tempests. But he has a plan worked out for each of us. This is Jesus's passage plan. You see, if you are to set out in a commercial vessel, the deck crew and the captain will need to set out a passage plan for each voyage. 
detailing the expected route to be taken, observations to be noted, directions to be acted upon and a destination to arrive at. Enabling a safe voyage from birth to birth for the essential importance of the safety of life at sea. Jesus knows the passage plan for our lives, even though we're not allowed to see it, which may seem unfair, and we may want to know what is ahead of us, but fear that the details would bring great anxieties to our souls. Had we, be, If we were granted to see it, I believe we would have fixed our worries on what was going to happen to us, whatever that may be. So in his wisdom, we have not been granted to see what lies ahead of us. For maybe the fear of these things would stop us from going forth with him. For our courage, as we know, is not always found with great strength. And there is an element of willingness on the disciples' behalf to cross over this lake after being with Jesus all day and now it's getting late and Jesus wants to cross the Sea of Galilee. We don't know if it was dark, but most likely it would have been. But they were willing to go. They were willing to go with Jesus. And even when we don't entirely realize what is ahead of us. Thankfully, sometimes we need our lives to be like that. That we would just have the willingness to go with Jesus as he instructs us. And just go regardless of how we feel about it. Are we willing to trust ourselves with his passage plan for our lives? Forget our own, scrap our own plans. Our own plans will do us no good. For he has the best plan set out already for you, should you come to him. Jesus' plan is best, regardless of what you may think of it, regardless of what you think of Jesus. And you may even be laughing at it, thought of it. But his plan has proved good and faithful for others. It just begs the question, will you trust it for your life? Will you trust the one who knows all, that he would be an instructive voice? Pray that you would know it to be. Pray that you would see and realise Jesus' plan is the best passage plan for you, for the safety of your life. Having that willingness to go where the voice of Christ would guide us, with the one who we read of in verse 36, it says that just as he was, and so just as he is today, and just as he will be tomorrow. He is perfect in all that he is. He was perfectly prepared and slept at peace 
amid those fearful conditions. So will you come as you are? Never mind the preparations for the journey. Jump aboard with Christ and you will be perfectly prepared if you go with him. Go with his passage plan. Regardless of the conditions that you face, there may be great days of enjoyment and great days of fearful conditions set before you. But we must trust our lives to him. Be faithful to him and to his words regardless of the conditions we experience. So let us move on to the next point of condition. The conditions the disciples find themselves in changes drastically. We read that a great windstorm arose in verse 37, a violent and intense storm that some of these men as disciples were already experienced fishermen. So they would have known it to be a great windstorm. And likely, as we said, amidst the hours of darkness. It was not a mere matter of perception about the intensity of the storm, as you may find from people that have been on the ferry on a rough day. Like, you might say, well, that was a rough journey. But the captain on the boat might say, oh, it was a wee bit rough. We've experienced failures. It's not a matter of their perception, for this was indeed a great storm. For we read that even the boat would have agreed to its greatness as it began to fill. Even the boat was being overcome by the greatness of the storm and the situation was getting desperate for the lives aboard. But Christ was sleeping. How on earth would any man sleep through that? You can imagine them asking one another, where is Jesus? Where is he? He's asleep on the, in the stern. Man, we're about to die here. And so they woke him with the cry, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I wonder which disciples said that. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I can imagine the disciples recalling this incident amongst themselves after Christ had returned to glory. Confessing. You know, we we hadn't seen what Christ was doing. You know how ignorant I was. Can you believe that I actually asked him, do you not care that we are perishing? And I can see them smiling amongst themselves and saying, oh, you know, nobody cared so much. Christ's care for the perishing, oh, that's a care that has no limits. That's a care that knows no bounds. You know, do you not care that we are perishing? Of course he cared. This man died for us. He, he showed us such a care 
that we wouldn't perish. And I can see them just recalling this incident and being in complete awe at how they didn't understand things. And just another thought and while we are dwelling on that, we see the peace that Christ had in this storm. He was sleeping through it, but the disciples were in deep distress. The disciples were fearing for their lives, but Christ was sleeping. And when you compare this with the anguish that Christ knew in Gethsemane, and who was sleeping there but the disciples? How we as men and women can misinterpret the times of our lives. We might think that it is a time to act and save ourselves. Might think it's a time that we need to bail out the boat, do everything we can when Christ has it in his control and ultimately has everything in his control. But then we are the ones that sleep when there is some unseen battle being made by our great intercessor. Indeed, a time for prayer, and we don't even realise it. What a saviour we have that he intercedes for us. But back to the disciples. These men were in the safest place, in the vessel of the Lord, or in the vessel with the Lord. Though the threat of perishing was imminent, and I suppose we can say that they were wise to stay in the boat, at least, amid such fear. It was good also that they came to Christ to waken him in their fear. But it seems like they waited until the very last moment to call out to Christ. Seems like they did all they could before inquiring to the Lord. And is that true of you listening today? I don't know your situation. You may well be amidst, amidst an awful unsettling. Your soul may be in great turmoil and may feel overcome by cold waves. But do not put off your calling to Christ. Do not leave it as your last option. And I suppose for the Christian, and the unbeliever. For we are not always promised peaceful seas all our lives through, even with Christ in control. But the Christian must learn not to be fearful in these times, but to put our faith, to act in faith at these times, trusting that all will be well amidst the storm. For his plan is perfect. The great comforter is your assured company. And basically what he's saying to the disciples is, I am here, have no fear. I am here, have no fear. Are these words relevant for us today? Are these words relevant for us and what we are experiencing today, even as a nation? Many people full of fear. But is Christ with you? 
and is Christ trying to teach you to have no fear? That you would rely on him and put your faith and trust in him. If you don't have Christ, do not delay. Do not try and save yourself, leaving Christ as your last option. Will you save me, Jesus? Do you care for me? Even if it is your last option, cry to Christ. This is not a casual calling, but a deep cry of a soul who realises that they are perishing. Call upon him and he shall answer you. Just make sure that you make that plea. Even if it's your last, just make sure it's not late. Or would you be one happy to go to sea without Jesus? Would you go without Jesus? Would you live your life without Jesus? Would you go forward into that storm and let yourself perish when the opportunity of Jesus was there for you? When salvation was so close to hand, would you leave Christ behind and go on your own? And you might say, yes, it's all fair and well at the moment. But when that storm comes, do you know there's a storm of sin that will assuredly overwhelm you if Christ is not with you? If Christ is not your salvation, this great storm of sin will overwhelm you. Pray that you would seek him in earnest, that you would see the glorious almighty power of Christ, the Prince of Peace, that he is one who will act on your behalf to dispel the affliction of these sins. And he will be the one to grant you peace. Free from the power of sin. Free from that great storm that will overwhelm you. You'll have no one to go to if you don't have Christ with you. The Christian can come to Christ and call out to him and he will answer. May you know Christ to be with you, the one who can make that great transformation for you. So let us move on to our last point of transformation. Christ left them bewildered. Who is this, they say? And is this not one of the greatest questions that we can ask of Jesus? This is not the greatest question someone can ask. Who is this? Who is this man, Jesus? After what Jesus that we read about in the Bible, who really is he? And what does he mean to you? Do you realize who he is? Our first point was instruction. And our second point was condition. 
Our third is transformation. And this is the transformation of the fearful condition by his further instruction. We read of this great instruction in verse 39. This further instruction. Peace be still. And the change of the condition in the following words. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that he rose in his addressing of the heavens. But it actually may only mean that he was awakened. We seem to imagine in this account that Christ would be standing with his arms stretched to heaven when he pronounces this rebuke, peace be still. We don't know, but he may well in fact have, or he may well in fact have only awakened and said with all authority, peace be still as he awoke, emphasising indeed the power that his word had. These few direct words from Christ is all it took to calm the storm. Be quiet, be still. All within his hands and all within his control. What a reassurance for the one who trusts in Christ. There are two rebukes here. Firstly, the one to the heavens, peace be still. And secondly, to the disciples. The first is a direct order. But the disciples' rebuke comes with searching questions. Why are you so afraid? And have you still no faith? But no response is recorded in any of the Gospels. It just seems that they dare not speak after a sight of such authority, standing in awe before them, wondering, who is this man that stands here with us? What power he has that we don't perceive or hadn't perceived him possible to possess. And as we look in the passage, you'll notice there's actually three greats in that passage. The first in verse 37 to describe the severity of the storm. The second in verse 39 to describe the peacefulness of the calm. And the third in verse 41 to describe the fear that arrested the disciples. This great word, when I looked it up in the resources that I had, it, it's referencing mega. It sort of references the English word we know as mega. It, it was a mega storm. It was mega peace and mega fear. Mega seems so much more than just great. But the greatness of 
each one was significantly impressive upon the soul. What an experience these disciples have had. And they haven't even met Legion. And I just wonder, who got to sleep when they came back across the lake after leaving Legion? After all this happening, this mega storm, mega peace, and mega fear. What an experience for them. Have you experienced this great change in your life? This mega transformation? How great the sins that overwhelm us. But how greater the love of Christ that paid the price for them so that these sins have no power over you. The sins are great indeed, condemning us to hell. But far greater is the love of Christ, shown on that cross that will overcome these sins, so that they no more have power over you. No more will they overwhelm you. For now you are under the authority of the Prince of Peace. And as we mentioned to the children, you are under the registration of salvation with Christ. The one who understands the meganess, if I can use that word, of their sins, will perceive how great the peace, or how mega the peace is, with a greater clarity or a greater appreciation. The one who has endured great trials. Great trials, as these disciples thought, that would kill them. This trial, however long it went on for, this great storm that they experienced. You know, some Christians experience great storms. Great storms that seem to endure through nights that seem to last for weeks. Nights that go on and on and they have to endure it and trust in Christ the more. But I believe the greatness of the peace that they will receive will be more so for them than someone who has not endured so much. The peace, all the greater, coming from that storm of experience. And we pray that he would work a transformation that would leave us in great awe and great fear before us. That we would exclaim in wonder, who is this man? Who is this man capable of such things? Who is this speaking to me through this word that he 
has given to me in the scripture. Why do I feel this spirit working in me? This Christ that I thought I knew, and as we experience him, he exceeds all our expectations. And for the Christian, that work will continue. For that is how it will be after this endurance of life. Some greater, some lesser for others. Upon the sight of the glory of heaven and your precious Saviour, the one who has faith, even be it little, shall see the power of his written word come to reality. And we will be left in great awe. The conditions will be great indeed. The response shall be of great praise and wonder. For in that place there will be great peace, great praise, in the company of our great Saviour. I'll finish just by reading a couple of verses from the hymn, the Ship of Fame, I think it's called. What is this ship you're sailing in? This wondrous ship of fame. The ship is called the Church of God and Christ the Captain's name. Come join our happy crew. We're bound for Canaan's shore. The captain says there's room for you and room for millions more. What wages do you get on board this ship that you command? We've love and joy and peace and grace and glory in the end. And what's the crew that sails with you on board this ship so grand? The saints of God all washed in blood and under Christ's command. Do you not fear the stormy seas? That your bark may overwhelm. You need not fear. The Lord is near. And Christ is at the helm. Amen. We leave our thoughts there. We pray that Christ would not leave us, nor his spirit. That it would be active amongst us, working in us for his glory. Can we finish by singing? In Psalm 72, Psalm 72, uh, beginning at verse 16. It's in the Scottish Psalter, sorry. 72, verse 16 to the end. The city shall be flourishing, her citizens abound. In number shall like to the grass that grows upon the ground. His name forever shall endure. Last like the sun it shall. Men shall be blessed in him and blessed. All nations shall him call. Now blessed be the Lord our God, the God of Israel. For he alone doth wondrous works and glory that excel. 
and blessed be his glorious name to all eternity the whole earth let his glory fill amen so let it be let us sing these words to the praise of god Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity again, even though it is not in the circumstances that we would ultimately desire. We desire to be with you as a people, singing your praises together, singing one another the beautiful praise and the noise of all the voices, singing unto the one that they look to daily, that we would learn to trust in you learn to trust in you in the storms learn that you are the one who has control over all things you are the one who works great transformations by the power of your word pray that we would know it to be such in our lives pray that you would not leave us pray that you would go with us and that we would be willing and ready to go as you instruct us uh, pray that we will be left in awe at seeing the nature and works of Christ revealed to us and question in our hearts. Oh, who is this man? Who is this Christ? How I thought I knew him, 
but he far exceeds all that I ever understood. Pray that you would not leave us. Pray that you would comfort those who are in affliction, comfort those who are mourning, be with them, and wrap your arms around them in a way that no physical arms can in this world. Though we do try to give comfort, our efforts seem poor. Pray that you forgive us our sins as we part. Pray that you be with us in the week ahead. Forgive us our sins. For Jesus' sake. Amen.